What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Shit Podcast. This is episode 39. We're doing an interview with an EOD chief. Uh, he's going to be doing. He's going to be diving into what exactly his community does, how they do it, the training pipeline, uh, the different levels of qualifications, things like that. Uh, it's pretty pretty deep dive into what they do and how they do it, which was cool for me because I, I learned a lot from it. I don't have any experience with the EOD community uh, outside of what you can find on Google. So it was it was very educational for me. We got into small unit leadership uh, and the chief's role within their community as well towards the end, but we'll probably come back around and do another interview to cover those kinds of things in more detail. Uh, but I learned a lot from it and I think you guys will too. So enjoy. And so what we'll do, uh, like I always do is just start with your background. Just give me like, and, and it's as much detail as you want. Uh, some people are uncomfortable providing a ton of detail, but, uh, as much detail as you want on both, like how you ended up in the Navy and then just your progression through your experience, everything like that to provide everybody some context. Sure. So I'm actually third generation U.S. military. So oh, wow. grandfather is a Korean War veteran. And then my father, he's one of uh, five boys. And so four of them served in the military, different branches. Uh, he was Air Force. So uh, grown up uh, pretty much in the prime of his career, um, moved around just a couple of times, uh, three times. And as you kind of grow up on in base housing and you just latchkey kids, you know, just kind of running around, um, basically playing, playing war with your friends and, um, never really paying any mind to it. Well, you know, as you start to go into like your formative years, uh, my father retired right as I was just about to go into high school. So, uh, we moved off base and, um, you know, now, now it's time to get serious. Uh, what, what do you really want to do with your life? Right. I want to rock, you know? <laughs> um, so I joined up, they had a JRTC unit at the high school as a Navy, Navy one. So that, that was, uh, kind of the first, first, uh, uh, road, road sign kind of diverting me off the path there. Uh, cause really it was like, Oh, I probably want to do exactly what my dad did. I want to join the air force and uh, do, do this civil engineering gig, um, basically like CBs for the air force, uh, right. not quite red horse, uh, that that's more, that's actually a real one-to-one transfer, but he did more like NAVFAC kind of does now where what is, what is red horse? Uh, red horse is exactly like the CB. So like we build, we okay. fight, gotcha. that's, that's the air force's analog gotcha. and, uh, you'll be able to catch them on the base. Uh, they'll be wearing red hats and they have a high, high esprit de corps. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. uh, anyway, uh, beyond that, then I'm like, man, okay, this JRTC thing's pretty cool, but you know, it's like, it's like one day a week and the class is an absolute joke, uh, for me at, at the time yeah. growing up as, as a military brat. So I need a little bit more than that. Uh, so I looked out online and I found the sea cadet program. So yeah. I don't think any of the Navy people listening are, are going to be too surprised about the sea cadets. Um, for those that haven't heard about it, it's, it's a youth program. You do one drill a month. You're like almost like a freaking reservist. Um, right. It's kind of depending on the unit you're at, which I was at uh, Fort Dix, New Jersey. We had a very dedicated group of retired senior chiefs and chief warrant officers and actual active duty people that had put in a lot of time to develop and give that opportunity to young folks, which was great. So I took I took the advantage of it, uh, did a couple of advanced trainings. And one of them was the EOD diver advanced training. So perfect. Three weeks in Virginia beach, 
at the training unit where EOD techs train and oh, wow. they had a, and they had mud, mobile diving and salvage unit too. Uh, so did a week of EOD had like a mini FTX at the very end, which was a, you know, a real thrasher. That is um, cool. Did a week of scuba diving. So I actually got my scuba cert, uh, for Patty. Right. And then the third week was all Navy diver. And I got a, a, a ride in a recompression chamber. So I actually got my, my chamber test knocked out when I was like 17 years old. Oh, wow. Um, and then I got to put on a, a Mark 21 hard hat at the time. Uh, currently they're using cam 37 hard hat, but it was so cool. You know, I, I yeah. got to wear, wear a U.S. Navy dive rig uh, in, in a little fish tank, basically, like kind of what they reel out to like Fleet Week and whatnot, play tic-tac-toe, yeah. uh, stand on your head and tie some knots. It was pretty cool. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. know many 17-year-olds yeah. that get to, <laughs> that be, get, to go, be nuts. get to go to an active uh, demolition range and uh, prime in and actually get to do some, some demolitions and shoot guns and uh, right. go out and... Yeah, it's tough. Like it was physically demanding, and and the program has sufficiently changed since since I went through it. But it was enough to get me hooked, boy. I'll tell you yeah. what. So from then on, I, I had a you know EOD badges kind of tattooed on my eyeballs, and that's really yeah. what I was going to go for. So nice. I finished up high school and attempted a year of college, thinking you know okay I'll try this ROTC thing now. Right. Uh, attempted to get a, a a scholarship that didn't really work out. So academically really wasn't into it. So moved on, came back home, dragging my, dragging my book bag with me. And, uh, it was like, I guess I got to enlist now. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, moved in and, uh, I enlisted in January of 2009 with an EOD contract. Um, for those people that might be fortunate enough to be listening to your podcast before they enlist, if you want a special project or you want a special job, you need to come in with a challenge contract. Don't, don't come in with a, a packed contract. Yeah. Uh, don't, yeah. don't come in on des, you know, or think you're going to get a different rating and then, yeah. Oh, down the road, I, I'll dabble and, and go switch. Yeah. Well, those silver tongue devils in those recruiting offices will try to get people where they need them and be like, oh, you could totally cross right later. And that is not always true. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. it, I'm no exception. I think I scored an 80 something on my ASVAB and boy, yeah. they, they had they had, nuke. Pegged, they had me pegged for nuke or, or I'm uh, the same way, man. I was or, in the crypto. 86 i think and they were like oh you got to take this nuke test and i'm like i don't want to be a nuke just take it anyway just in case passed it and they were just like they just saw dollar signs or whatever like so they could make goal i'm just like how many times are like can we just skip this i'm not gonna be a nuke oh yeah and i'll tell you what like when i when i finally pulled the trigger and was like i'm going to join the navy i'm going to enlist as an eod tech i get i i got it all together you know I, i walked in that recruiting station with my high school diploma I had my birth certificate. I had my social security card and I'm like, I want to become an EOD technician and I can pee in a cup today. Yeah. Like, all right. <laughs> and you, I mean, the guy probably almost spit his teeth out, you know, he's just like, yeah. this, this is, I hear stories about people like you. Yeah. Um, yeah. never, never thought it happened to me. So, <laughs> um, beyond that, then I, then I went up to great lakes, uh, 800 division, getting 88 seal special boat diver EOD contracts and air rescue swimmers together in a room and get them to follow the spoken word is tough. You know, that's, uh, it's a lot of type A's, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people that think they're type A's that they're not. Right. right. Uh, and, they, and then they, they quickly find that out when they're, when they're in a group of, uh, very, very masculine people that yeah. like to push people around, like to like to get a rise out of each other. 
it's it's sort of a locker room type atmosphere, which was great. That's exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. So finish up there. Then when you go across the street, you go over to dive prep. Uh, so EOD diver prep for me, it's really long. It's, it's really only supposed to be like three weeks long. I think I was there for like two months. Oh wow. Uh, and that was just because of scheduling. Uh, they, they okay. had, they had a back so on hold. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, where I think some a schools, like if you're on hold, you're like, you're like sweeping floors or right. yeah. you're, you're shining brass. Uh, for us, you, you were working out, you were working out every yeah, day, uh, basically beating the sun up. And then uh, getting out of there around four o'clock, just limping home. Uh, great, great for a twenty-year-old body uh, right. to go through. Uh, I wouldn't want to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you finish up there. Uh, your kind of culminating event is is pool week, where uh, you got to do like a weighted tread with 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 a faux scuba tanks. So really don't have any air in them. Yeah. And when, once you get done, you're kicking away, and all you're thinking about is Panama City. I'm going to dive school, so. <laughs> Get on down there. Dive school's two months long. Um, as soon as you get down there and you do your pressure test and they know you're good to go, which I, I knew I was good. I, I don't have you any already bad, done it, right? Don't have any yeah. troubles clearing. Yep. They do your drug test, uniform inspection, and then about a week later, you're in pool week. Like for people that have never scuba dived, I mean, they put that regulator in your mouth, you breathe, and then they tell yeah. you to, to sit down in three feet of water and take a couple breaths, and then you come back up. And then you just completed your first U.S. Navy scuba dive. And then from there, it's like numbers one through seven proceed to the deep end. And it's like, oh, <laughs> damn. And there you go. Pool hits are right then. So yeah. you do your pool week and then you move on to a little bayou. Bayou, it's like it's like a jetty area. Yeah. Um, you do your like closed, kind of like close in diving. And then they put you on a, on a yard diving tender, uh, one of the YDTs. And they'll, they'll put you out. Uh, off the panhandle there and you'll go dive on wrecks and you know bridge nice. expanses and beautiful crystal blue water with hammerhead sharks kind of swimming around and giant goliath grouper the size of volkswagen beetles and wow you really can't get i can't complain because i went through in like june july so yeah <laughs> you know those, those, <laughs> like little, vacation, those little short short khaki shorts they make you wear uh, oh god yeah I, I diver short shorts yeah i, I didn't care um yeah then, then you go into your, your rebreather rig. Uh, it's the Mark 16 rebreather. And, you know, it's complicated. Um, but if you're smart, you know, it's like your first real academic hurdle uh, to that point. And then you get your blue and gold shirt and get your little, uh, at the time, you get your diver pin. You don't get it anymore. Just a little, yeah, scuba, the, little, scuba, little pin. scuba pin. Yeah, we have, uh, we send guys to dive school. Yeah, you um, sub divers. Yeah, scuba scuba yeah. school. Yeah. Yep, scuba school. Yeah. They're lucky. They, try. they, they get the three week, you know, beat down yeah. and they come back with their little blue and golds. I'm sure they're, you know, yeah. they got their chest out and yeah. they're, they're yeah, looking. Yeah, they tried to send me to that and I almost drowned when I was a kid. And I was just like, cause I was my first boat. I was like this fitness nut. It was how I kept from killing people underway. <laughs> and it was just like, they had a, we had a varsity swimmer from the Naval Academy that was like the dive officer. Mm-hmm. He had gone to school with school and he's like, you got to go like you're the perfect candidate. He's like, I know you'll pass the physical portion. I'm like, yeah, until they put me in the pool and I panic. I'm like, because I never got over it, man, like where I could swim. But it was like if I ever ended up in a situation where like people were messing with me or I heard all the stories about like the things they do to compromise your your rig and stuff to see how you deal with it. I'm like, I'd freak out. Yeah, I would say it's you have to be supremely confident in the water. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
I am literally, <laughs> you know, we, we all come from water in the womb and some people just, just stick with it for the rest yeah. of their lives. Yeah. Uh, other people are like, get me on dry land and let me stay there. Yeah. And that, and that's fine. It, it's a little weird that you're a submariner that, you know, you want to, you want to go under the waves, but just don't right. get wet. It, it, <laughs> I get that all the time. Like, so, I mean, I mean, I could tread water. I wouldn't die, but like, yeah, I mean, if we're, if there's some, if something goes terribly wrong and there's appreciable amount of water in the people tank, we're, we're dead anyways. Well, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep, it's keep, all wives keep, tale. Keep but, people out of the water tank. Keep water yeah. out of the people tank. Yep. Um, yep. so finish up there, go just down the road, about an hour down the road, down to Eglin Air Force Base now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little weird. You know, it's, it's a, it's a Navy school staff fleet or jointly staffed. And it's on an Air Force base. So, yeah, that's interesting. I was going to ask because I got a bunch of uh, Army EOD friends from when I was on Fort Lee. Uh, yeah. They have the ordnance side. And so, yeah, like ton of ton of EOD techs there, but they were all Army. The only time I ever saw Navy guys was there was a parachute rigger school there. You see them come through there sometimes. But uh, and I don't even know if there were EOD guys. There were SEALs and SWIT guys that would go through that school. Yeah, there's a parachute rigger course that uh, EOD techs can go to. Okay. Um, generally speaking, not a lot of guys go through it, but if you want to, I mean, you'll learn, you're going to learn how to sew, uh, right. <laughs> you know, you, you guys will come back with some leather wallets and stuff look like yeah. from scout camp. Yeah. Um, so if, go to EOD school, EOD school for me, um, probably the greatest hurdle academically in my entire career. Okay. Um, it's, uh, people always ask and, and you go onto the Navy subreddit or, uh, new to the Navy or, the EOD subreddit and there are constantly calls for information of, you know, how, do, what do I study for or how do, how do I prepare for this? Uh, let me just say there is literally nothing you can do to prepare for this. Yeah. Uh, the, I can't imagine. The only thing that gets you ready for EOD school is EOD school. That's it. Right. Uh, you could learn maybe some basic chemistry and, and kind of know like being an electrician. Maybe I don't not, know. Not even that. No, uh, <laughs> It, it, it's sad to say, but it, yeah. it, you really just I'm have like to come. going off movies and so I don't know anything about what you guys actually do in real life. Yeah, so you, it's you, like I'm going off some guy in a bomb suit in a movie, like diffusing a bomb. I'm like, I don't know, electrician, there's wires and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe later on in your career, but uh, for yeah. EOD school, I mean, you got to think you're, it's just like every other A school. You're there for basic competency, right? Okay. You're, you're there to learn how to uh, search, locate, identify, and then from there, do your publications research. So you got to learn how to search through the EOD publications, which it's not easy. It's not Google. Uh, yeah. it's, it's it's tough. It takes its own little finesse to, to get down to the pubs. And then from there, then you come back and you perform your, your render safe procedures or uh, you're transporting to dispose, right? So yeah. it's all kind of in a mock environment. The best way I can explain it is um, you, do, you do three days of, of academic coursework then you'll test, then there'll be a retest day. So that's five academic days right there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you pass first try, then your retest day is kind of like kicking back, smoking a cigarette, having a good time. Yeah. Uh, if it's your retest day, you're, you're biting your nails because if you only get two tries. Yeah. Uh, and you can, you can get bounced out of school on any test uh, because of two failures. Then from there, then you'll do three days of uh, practicals, and then you'll do test day. And then a retest day, and then yeah. you move on to the next thing, and it's it's like that for uh, it says here thirty eight weeks. Uh, mine was like roughly fifty four weeks. Uh, I was there for a really long time. <laughs> was it hold periods again, or yeah? So I got I got okay. rolled out twice uh, academically. I basically failed out of school twice. Uh, really tough. Um, one of them was in ground division, which if we got any EOD dropouts or anybody that even knows anything about the school, 
the test that I failed on was rockets and projectiles and it was a meat grinder. Yeah. Um, it was actually the, the plaque that they gave the division when I left was an old organ grinder and they had a bunch of army men getting fed into it and, uh, <laughs> they, they mounted that up on the wall, but yeah, I think it was over half wow. my class. It was just, it was just was it, decimated so when you, when you do, cause you said you got rolled when you academically fail out of a portion, do they just roll you back to the next class and you get another chance to go through? Uh, in this case, yes. So okay. I went to the XO's office with my student guide mm-hmm. and he interviewed me and basically flipped through it and he was looking for obscene pictures and doodles and me basically yeah. not taking notes. And I was, I was like a stenographer, you know, I was, I was taking, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to take as many notes as possible. Uh, and because of that, it was basically an auto roll. Um, okay. the time that I joined 2009, it was surge in Afghanistan or surge in Iraq. Uh, you were getting a, a ridiculous enlistment bonus yeah. just, just to complete the program. Uh, cause they really needed a Navy UAE techs. So yeah, I can imagine Jesus. Um, plus we were having a lot of people get, a lot of people die uh, around yeah. that time too. So, you know, guys were just like, this isn't for me and I did my time and I'm gonna get the hell out of here. Right. So, um, the Navy did, I'm not going to say it was an auto roll. I mean, I, I know I did say that, but, uh, basically if you were, if they felt you were redeemable, they were, they were going to give you a pretty good pass on that, on that first failure there. So, right. Then I got all the way up to IED division and, yeah, I just had two bad days and uh, I got recycled again. And then after that, I really sailed through school. We uh, got over the hump. Everyone's got their own little hump. Um, yeah. Some people say it's so it's so funny to hear the students, uh, especially the the new guys that come to the mobile unit. You know, oh yeah, when you get done with ground division, it's all it's all downhill. Or, or, or yeah. when you get done with air division, it's you know, or, or guys that do bad in ground do great in air. Or guys that did yeah. great in ground do bad in air. Um, yeah, it's the Um, same thing on submarines, man. It's like, and I I mean, for me personally, even like I had a hard time with everything, man. I sucked at running. So boot camp was a struggle. I get through boot camp. I, I, a school and sub school because academics were like, I can read, highlight, memorize and take tests all day. And that's kind of like, unless it's like I'm struggling with comprehension, like you kind of probably what you were talking about with some of the stuff you guys were doing, but like got through sub school and then you get to the boat in the first 12 months, you're getting your submarine dolphins. And it's like, that's your reason for existing. And when I came around, you were a lower form of life (laughs) until you get your dolphins. Yeah. So it's like I, when I was going through that, I mean, that was struggle city for me because I, was working really hard and I couldn't like I had a supervisor I couldn't please. So it was like, no matter what I did, I was still all effed up. And, um, and it, it, yeah, I had a hard time with that too. And then the first four years on the submarine in general, I like, I mean, it's a miracle that I made it through the first four and a half years in the Navy without (laughs) getting thrown out and told never to come back again. So I totally get it. Yeah. So you, you get done with EOD school, but it's not over yet, right? You have to go to underwater division. Uh, so joint service, right? So, uh, when I rolled out of class, you, when you, when you go over from dive school, you're in a Navy class. So I originally started out with zero nine five sixty N that N stands for Navy. The other branches, it'll be like S. So it'll be surface, right? right? So that that's all other branches, air force, Marine Corps, army. Okay. Um, so they're, they're going through class and they're, they, they don't know what the Navy classes are all about, but by the time we, we come over, we're already like, you know, snapping towels. We, we've been with each other for, upwards of four months at this point with each other, you know, you really right. get to know your classmates and then you roll out and then you're, you're, you're right back at square one with a whole new batch of dudes that don't get your sense of humor. And, <laughs> um, and then 
also just the maturity piece, like you were just recycled. That's going to, that's going to hit your ego pretty good. Yeah. Um, basically you just weren't hot. You weren't as hot as you thought you were. And, uh, maybe it's time to learn. So they, the surface classes will graduate, uh, after uh, special weapons division. And after that, great. See you later. I, I went to their graduation in like a pair of Chuck Taylors and a pair of khaki pants and like a V neck. And then two days later I started underwater. Um, so two months in underwater, you fail out of that. You're back in the Navy. Like, Back in you the know, fleet. Yeah, your <laughs> needs in the Navy at that point. So gotcha. the stakes could not be higher. Right. Um, you've literally done everything to that point to be an EOD tech in the other branches, but it doesn't matter. Uh, That's they, crazy. They, they want you to be yeah. a, the Navy standard. So you gotta yep. you got to do that diving piece. So yeah. you're, you're back on the rebreathers, you're back on scuba gear, and you're you're back in the water. And it's, uh, I make it sound real rough, but that was the, that was the fun times, uh, yeah. back, back to step, back to towel snapping, back to really good workouts and wearing, wearing the short shorts, no longer the khaki <laughs> shorts, the, the black shorts. Cause we had graduated up to, okay. you know, being semi human. Um, <laughs> and then you get your, you get your EOD school blue and gold and you're, you're feeling pretty invincible. Yeah. Uh, so then from there I finished up, I graduated EOD school in 2010 around the August timeframe. And I went over to us army airborne school up the road in Fort Benning, oh, Georgia. Nice. Uh, nice. Georgia in August, I got to tell you is uh, oh, pretty, pretty grief. warm. <laughs> yeah. I lived in Virginia during the summer, so I can imagine it's probably a slightly worse. Yeah. So, um, that school is literally the exact same school that from 1940 something when it was established, uh, it's exactly the exact same course. Uh, they even have a script the instructors have to memorize and they do little, little skits and stuff. And it is exactly this in the army doesn't want it to change. Yeah. The only thing that's changed is the parachutes. That's right. it. That's all it's changed in the, in the aircraft. I mean, it clearly works. Yeah, so. it, honestly, it does. You you can take the most, you know, you can take a chaplain, uh, a non-combat oriented soldier, sailor, whatever, because it's everyone goes, every service goes to that school. Yeah. And three weeks later, they're, they're five jumps and they got their wings, you know, yeah. so it's pretty cool. Uh, it's, it's also good Navy appreciation. Good. Uh, you know, you just got into this community, you just got your UD badge and guess what? Now we're going to put you right back down to nothing again. <laughs> um, I started that class with 300 people. And, uh, after the PT test, they were already down to 127 people. Oh, wow. Uh, and that, that was average for them. They, they knew that, wow. that they, I didn't, army yeah. knew that was going to happen. I didn't know there was that kind of attrition in that. School. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, wow. and that's just the, that's just the initial PT in test. Yeah. Know? Uh, so that, that, that takes people out right there. Um, and then from there, we will go down the road, down to Gulfport, Mississippi to expeditionary combat skills, uh, ran by center of security forces. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason for that is, uh, EOD falls under Naval Expeditionary Combat Command. So yeah. being that we fall under NECC, we got to meet NECC requirements to be expeditionary. So every guy's, every guy and gal, uh, I don't care. You think you're some death deal in EOD tech, but now you're going to go be with the CBs and be with the MAs and right. You know, at the time it, it was the BDU's Navy, you know, it was, yeah. we thought, you know, okay, I thought we were going to be doing like more tactical stuff. No, you're going to get to baseline education. You're going to love it. Well, you guys haven't at, at this point in your training, you haven't done any of the like ground combat related stuff, right? Nope. That's the okay. next stop. That's, so okay. right after Mississippi, we go down to beautiful San Diego, uh, out to point Loma and, it's uh, EOD tactical training. So that's like your real test, your last last little shot in the barrel as a student. 
they can really kind of push you and, and poke you and try to get try to get you to get a rise out of you. See if yeah. see if you're an idiot. Because <laughs> then it's still kind of easy to get rid of you at that point. Yeah. Okay. It's it's like your last stop before the before you get to your your PCS your 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 end of the line uh, first mobile unit. So that's where we did our our helicopter rope stuff. So we're doing fast ropes and rappels, uh, doing casts in the water at, at day and night, doing a lot of your more your tactical shooting, uh, learning how to wear like just simple stuff like night vision and body armor. Uh, we do our tactical medicine there as well, and then our our communications training. And uh, then you go to your first mobile unit. So I went to mobile unit 12 and I spent eight years there. Um, oh, wow. The seashore flow is five and three. So obviously I overstayed my welcome a little bit. Right. Um, mostly due to just manning shortfalls and just yeah. vol- volunteering for deployments. So and when you uh, when you say seashore flow, how does it work for you guys? Because you're effectively always on shore I kind of, I, I would so think the, the mobile units are considered sea duty cause you're, you're okay. deployable. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, we deploy off an OFRP, uh, just like every other unit in the military or the Navy at least. Um, and our OFRP generally is 18 months. Uh, certain mission sets are 24 months and we're talking about shifting like a 36 month model, but that's, that's other stuff. Um, yeah. during my time there, I did uh, four deployments, I was on a carrier team for my first platoon, and then I went on a mobility team where I did a anti-terrorism force protection measure diving missions, and I did some other stuff too. And my third platoon was a, an NSW support to SEAL Team 2 on their deployment. Okay. And then I did a, a kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades deployment. Uh, we originally teamed up as a mine countermeasures team, and then it turned back into a mobility, and then it eventually throughout the deployment, it turned into a soft, soft ride. So kind of done it all. Um, it was a good ride. I arrived at Mobian 12 as a E4 basic tech. I left as a, as a chief master tech. Oh, wow. so it was a good time. Yeah, I was going to say, based on your enlistment date, I was like, damn, you spent like the pretty much your entire career there until whatever you're doing now. Right? Yes. It was pretty funny. Uh, on my fourth platoon, I picked up chief and, uh, I did it in Bahrain and, uh, we, they, they put you, in the little room and you got to introduce yourself and okay, you know, say your name and what commands you've been at and name your favorite <laughs> movie. And you know, we, we, you go down the line and it's like, Oh yeah, I've been to this ship and I pre-com this ship and I decom yep. this ship. And then I was an RDC and then I, you know, yeah, I did yeah. recruiting, and you're just like, I got my head just like hanging down, gets to me yeah, and it it's the... like, Hey, how you doing? I've been in eight years. Um, uh, mobile in 12. And that's it. And then the it's like, what's that? <laughs> you feel like an idiot, but you know, yeah. Yeah. can't blame me. Yeah. So that's basically my career. I know we kind of got off on yeah. tangents, but you know, up to this point and now I'm on shore duty. So I'm, I'm up in a, one of the EOD shore detachments. Wow. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask is what is shore duty for you guys? So, you know, we got a, we got a number of different shore duties. Mm-hmm. Um, most of it feeds back into the, the EOD community as a whole. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have, we have our training and evaluation unit, the, you hear sometimes called like EOD two one or two two. Uh, one's out in San Diego, two's in Virginia Beach. You know we okay. we do the even and odds just like every other unit in the Navy. Yeah, yeah. Because I had sent you the here we go the career career summary and all that stuff and yeah I path. got it all printed out in front of me. <laughs> yeah, on the uh, on the career path. I mean, it, it talks about the diversity tours and, and uh, short short tours. But so yeah, you can go down to dive school and be an instructor. You can uh, right. 
you can go to the Naval Academy and uh, be there as an enlisted guy. You got to go to RDC C School for that, actually. And then there's one senior chief billet at the right. academy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I actually um, tried to do that to do the company chief thing. Yeah. Um, but based when it lined up, all they had was female billets, unfortunately. So. Yep. I, I would have loved that gig. Well. Maybe later. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm a little old for that yeah, now. You're, you're, get, you're getting a little long in the tooth. <laughs> a little um, bit. So you go down to UD school. You go to training units. Um, or you can go to recruit training command and be one of the dive motivators. Oh, or, okay. or go over to the gotcha. dive prep course and be one of the dive prep instructors. Yeah. That's basically all the instructing commands that we have. And then, you know, for diversity, we, we have our EOD technology division in Indian Head, Maryland. That has a fleet liaison unit. Uh, there's a an exploitation unit there as well. Uh, that's kind of kind of CDD. Uh, yeah. they, do, they do deploy out of that. Um, and then... Let's see. We got we got a couple other ones like a defense right. defense threat reduction agency, DITRA. Um, there's EOD billets there. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of bunch of cool cool stuff, but you got to be further along in your career to kind of capitalize on that because right. there are certain billets that they really want a khaki to be standing up in front of a, a three star and be briefing them on something of EOD importance. Right, uh, and that's not a knock on any of our white hats. They, they do an amazing job. I was a white hat, you know, every, yeah. every chief was a white hat at some point. Um, and I feel like on my NSW team, you know, I, I was briefing sockier and you know, having a good time doing it. So, yeah. uh, and that, that was when I was in EOD one. So, um, it's not impossible. They just, they, they have their, they have, Navy has their preferences. Right No, I get it. It's yeah. Flag level stuff. They want those types of people in the room. Yeah. Um, so we could go into the community overview if you want to. Uh, wherever you want to go with it, man. Yeah. So, um, most of this information is just, I'm just going to come straight out of the milpers, man. Um, for all those people that are listening to this that are like, Oh man, I really want to do that. Right. Uh, sounds, sounds awesome. Um, right off the community manager page. Uh, we're looking at year groups, 2018, 2017 and 2016. Uh, if you're younger than that or older than that, I'm sorry. Year yeah. groups are just not open right now. Right. Uh, they do make exceptions on a case by case basis. Um, yeah. I love to tell people that come over to my shop asking about it. Hey, if I'm not in the year group chief, uh, what do I do? I said, okay, well, I did. I did meet a guy that uh, mm-hmm. was not in the year group eligible, and he did get picked up. He also had a, a PhD in physics, <laughs> and uh, another guy I met was actually a lawyer. He had his law yeah. degree and uh, had become a successful lawyer in Chicago, yeah. and decided, you know, hey. I'd, it's not for me. I just want to go blow stuff up. So they, they made an exception, but, um, nice. Beyond yeah, that, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make them tell, you no guy, I was a career counselor for, uh, for a while. It was a collateral. It's a collateral duty on submarines. We don't have NCs or anything. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was, I had two, uh, cooks on the submarine that they were just, everybody was telling them, no, you can't convert. No, you can't convert. Uh, and they were like, fine, I'm getting out of the Navy. And then I got there, became the career counselor and the, I was like, what are you guys doing? Because we were co- kind of coming up on their either reenlistment or time to separate. So we had to make the plans either way. And it's uh, they're like, oh, we're separating. We don't want to do this because we want to cross rate. And no one would let us. I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And they both different flavors of CTs, but they both wanted to be CTs. I'm like, well, let's look into it. And the worst they can say is no. Like, we'll do the paperwork. The worst they can do is say no. Uh, and I did the research, looked at the year groups, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're going to say yes to this. And they're like, yeah, no, everybody just told us because we're submariners, it's not going to happen. Routed the paperwork. They're both CT chiefs right now. So it's like, I, I'm going to make them tell, you no guy, like I get it. There's numbers, there's metrics. 
year groups are open, year groups are not open, but it's like route the paperwork anyway, make them tell you no. Sometimes you're going to get surprised. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're if you're a white hat and you're listening to me, I mean, do not self-select, right? Um, right. The communities, any any program in the military is banking on you to self-select. And what I mean by that is to literally talk yourself out of it. Yep. They, they are banking that you will not pursue your dream to apply right. for a program because that's less less applicants they have to deal with. It's less right. people they have to screen, and right. it just it just cuts you. You've already demonstrated that you, um, not saying you're weak, not saying anything like that, but you you're showing them, you're giving not them who, the best yeah. of you, right? Not who um, we're looking for, right? Yeah, yeah like you're it, letting yeah. them beat you without even firing a shot. So I I'm with you. You know, if if this is what you really want to do, you know, I mean, Carl Brashear became a Na- Navy mass yep. diver one leg. Uh, yep. <laughs> in a time yeah. when you know the discrimination was completely against him and, and he still did it yeah um, man and i'm like a even just current day like i i was a csa school instructor and i would tell the kids like don't do whatever you want to do don't let anybody tell you you can't do something and i had this uh she was one of my class leaders uh i mean f- maybe five feet tall tiniest little female and she's like i want to be a rescue swimmer when i get to the ship i'm like then be a rescue swimmer and she's like well i heard you can't like being a cook blah 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 and I was just like, if you want to be a rescue swimmer, be a rescue swimmer. When you get there, you go out of your way to tell them this is what you want to do at your career development board, check-ins, whatever. But then you got to put the work in and show them, show that that group of people. I don't know who runs it on surface ships, but like whoever does that, show them that you want to do it and put the effort in. And I'm like, you're probably going to have to convince them because they're probably are going to laugh at you because that's what people do a lot of times with cooks. <laughs> it's like, so she did and she put the work in and she was working out and killing it and bugging them all the time and wouldn't let it go. And then, so they're finally, they sent her to rescue swimmer school. She comes a rescue swimmer, kills it the whole time she's there. She's like, say the year, blah, blah, blah. And then ends up on her shore duty as a rescue swimmer school instructor uh, down in Pensacola at whatever, I think it's like the, the SAR swimmer school. I forget the exact name of the learning site. Yeah. It's like um, Max or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, man, like don't let anybody tell you you can't do something because the majority of the time they're just naysaying, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. there's nothing that says you can't do it. So do the paperwork, make them tell you no. In, in my experience, like allowing people to screen and, and drop packages for the community. Sometimes it's also, uh, the chains of command that, that hold people back from excelling. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I had to do a little self-assessment with it. And I was, I was talking to my platoon chief at the time. I'm like, man, I can't believe, you know, why, why are they holding these people back? And, you know, after talking to, talking about it with platoon mates and whatnot, it's like, what, what kind of people do these programs attract? Right. It's probably, right. probably really high functioning, um, motivated sailors. And as, as a divo or, you know, a departmental LCPO, I wouldn't want to see those guys leave or, right. or those gals leave. Yep. Yeah, you know, they're, like, so they're super th- resistant. Those are my those are my best people, and yeah. you know, if I lose, I lose them. Now I'm screwed. Well, yeah. Also, hey, maybe you should have looked back, and you know, how, how much are you developing those other those other right. sailors? You know, yeah, um, and that happens with like every special program ever. Yep. I e- think every uh, yeah. every single program. Because the detailers will- don't even want to let those guys go because Manning, blah blah blah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely, yep. and and those, and I will admit for fleet converter conversions. Those communities take it out of hide. I mean, those are their best people sometimes. I'm not saying all we're doing is poaching from everyone because I'm an off the street guy. You know, I, I came in right in EOD. So I wasn't I wasn't robbing from any community. But at the same time, you know, 
what would I have been able to make it? I have no idea uh, if, yeah. I, if I had done another rate. Um, so we could talk about basically just getting to the Mulby unit. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, uh, you get done with school, um, you finish the pipeline, um, and now you're a new guy all over again. Right. You know, it's, you're, <laughs> you're in a constant state of just being a new guy. Right. Um, which is good. Uh, to me, I think that creates a culture of learning and you're constantly showing people you get, you got the juice, you know, you, yeah. you can go and, um, basically thrash it wherever you go and just crush and no one's going to take that away from you. So it's good. I, I think that if you, if you lose your drive for even a second, people are going to let you know. Um, we're, we're in a constant state of reevaluation, uh, training and, and evaluation of ourselves, which is great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So you arrive, uh, you're going to get assigned to a platoon. So we have a lot of different rest borgs that we support through, uh, global force management. So we have our carrier teams. So every time aircraft carrier em- embarks, uh, to go to war, they're going to have an EOD team afloat. And the reason why I say go to war is because, you know, just cause the carrier's doing some, some boxes out, out in, you know, off Chesapeake Cape doesn't mean it needs the NOD team. Um, right. or they're going to the yard that they don't need an EOD team. It's right, when, the yeah. air, when the air wing is embarked or, and they deploy, yeah. or when they're taking on stores of ammo for the deployment. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I was on the enterprise, uh, on its last cruise, uh, oh, wow. 2012. And what a, what a ride. So yeah. much fun. Uh, <laughs> You're not ship's company. You belong to the Admiral staff. You belong to carrier strike group. So mm-hmm. uh, high flexibility, high mobility yeah. within the strike group. Uh, anytime that ship pulls into port, you got to vet the pier. So you're, you're off the ship maybe 72 to 96 hours in advance to dive. And you get the port unmolested by sailors, which is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you're on orders. So, I mean, you're getting getting that nice per diem and yep. actually getting your lodging paid for by the Navy, which is Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, then we have MCM, which is our mine countermeasures platoons. I'm sure as a submariner, you're, you're well aware of the mine yeah. threat nowadays. Uh, these teams are really becoming part of that national defense strategy. And uh, as we move forward against, you know, in this, this era of quote unquote, great, great power competition, um, MCM is going to become a highlight of, yeah. of warfare going forward. I mean, all it takes is just one mine. Uh, in the Strait of Hormuz or something, and right. you've you've caused a logistical and navigable nightmare. Yeah, uh, for for any anybody on the water, not just the U.S. Navy, but anybody that wants yeah, to transit that. And, yeah, everything. And, yep. yep. And now now we're now we're talking about economic impacts and whatnot. Uh, next, we have our mobility teams. So the best way I can describe a mobility team is it's full spectrum EOD. You're literally deploying with the wall locker, just everything. Uh, you could do diving. You could do uh, integration with combat forces, uh, both for uh, main main ground assaults with with Marines on the MAGTAF, mm-hmm. or integrating with U.S. Army infantry divisions or battalions, wh- whatever's there. Uh, you, you possess the ability to integrate with SOF. Uh, yeah. Generally, they want to screen people on those teams to make sure that they've had the requisite experience and uh, maybe the requisite motivation to work with SOF entities. Yeah. But, it, it can happen. I mean, you, how, so how often do you integrate with like, cause like the army has EOD techs. I know the air force has EOD techs. Mm-hmm. I, I assume the Marine Corps just uses you guys. Nope. Marine Corps I, has, I, EOD, Marine Corps has EOD okay. as well. So, so why, like, 
is it just based on assets available or is it like a yeah, so the, specific mission set or because I, I, I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, well, if they have EOD techs, why do you guys need to integrate with them kind of thing? But so Navy EOD brings to bear our mobility skill sets. So the fact that we can air assault out of helicopters, okay, uh, we have our diving capability that we're, we're all trained and certified divers uh, and we can dive rebreather units. Um, okay. So that in a soft toolkit is a big sell. Right. Uh, we also conduct high altitude parachuting. Okay. Uh, so we can do halo and hey ho insertions. So that's not standard kit, but yeah. most techs around the end of their first sea tour will have had an opportunity to go to free fall school. Okay. Uh, if not, they catch you on the next one. I got to go pr- just prior to my first deployment, and that was, you know, I got a lot of. A lot of jabs in the ribs from some of the older guys like hey what the hell yeah, why they, you got why it they, so early <laughs> why, they, why they send in the the new kid but uh you right. know just just timing and uh i was willing to work over christmas so yeah i got to go in um nice. that those those skill sets uh coupled with some of more of the advanced skill sets that we have uh where we integrate in with assault forces uh we understand their comms procedures we understand their medical procedures we're we're more lean and built to employ ourselves in that small unit environment where an EOD flight or an EOD uh, battalion with an army unit or a Marine Corps unit is not to say they're, they're ill-equipped because they're, they're not. I mean, they go to the same school. Right. These guys are all smart the guys and gals. They're all super smart. They know how to use their tool sets. It's just given the opportunity, I think soft commanders would elect to as, as the force of choice, Navy EOD. Just because, yeah, because you guys have all the flexibility to, yeah, okay, yeah. I get it now. Because you guys, you guys do a, a lot of other training that those guys, it's not part of their standard pipeline. Um, I think it's also how we man train equip. So, okay, every OFRP, we're going to go through that maintenance phase, that basic phase, and that advanced phase, and then we're going to move into sustainment, uh, i.e., deployment. That advanced phase is is third party. You know, we we don't have a training team come to us we go to them we go to a schoolhouse every time and it doesn't hey man i go back to the i go back to the mobile unit guess what i'm going right back to the training and evaluation unit before i deploy it doesn't matter how many how many times you deployed right how how much chops you think you got you still got to go you still got to showcase your skill sets uh to to an independent third party a guy that probably doesn't even know you or they've known you for years and it doesn't matter. They'll still fail you. If you suck, Man. they will fail you. I I love that because I can tell you, I've been on three different classes of submarine and I got my submarine dolphins on one at the beginning uh, and going to a new platform. They're what like kind of by default by me getting more advanced qualifications. It, it kind of happened, but it wasn't monitored it wasn't mandatory there was no third party instructor involved where to like get me recertified to do submarine submariner things and for us it's like we're everything on board like we're the damage controlmen we're the sh- the ship's control guys like like I'm a cook and and I stand diving off the watch which if you've ever seen them like a submarine dive in the movies like that's yeah. me yeah. I'm the one doing it so it's like I they never you never really go through a recertification like when you first get back, it's it it happens as a result of normal deployment training cycles eventually. But I show up and everybody's just looking at me like I know everything. And I'm like, man, I don't even know where the engine room is. I've never been on this class of submarine before. I get lost trying to leave at the end of the day for the first like month. Um, yeah. So I, I like that concept a lot of having to basically reprove that, you know, I know what I'm doing. And yeah, and it's, I, 
it's a great yeah. validation. It's a great check yeah. on learning. This is like a, this is a real brick and mortar establishment. Like this is it has a CO. You know, this is a real unit. It's got a UIC and everything. Right. So you go down there. I mean, you're a student again. You're going you're going back to yeah. the training unit, and I love it. I went through four times uh, all my different teams. I never got to skip the training unit. Um, I you know I made a blanket statement that you know you will go through the training unit. Um, due to manpower, you know, guy breaks his you know shoots his femur through his thigh on a, on a free fall landing, uh, we're going to need a guy to replace that person. Right. So there are short fuse taskings and guys yeah. have deployed without going to the training unit. It's not to say, you know, this is, this is the end all be all, but right. You know, uh, rare, you don't want people to get hurt. So, right. um, and then the last two are NSW and CRIF. So best way I can explain that is NSW, since we are Navy, mm-hmm. um, they, it's just, makes sense, right? It's a, uh, the force of choice. We are Navy bound. So just let's go blue to blue. Um, we have to speed through our EOD workup quick to get to the seals workups. Now you got to do okay. the entire seal workup. So all so their, guys all their integrate training blocks, with them and go yep, through that, all the that's training. Your, that's your, them. that's gotcha. your, that's your soft integration with, with nice. your, with your seal troop. Uh, and you're bouncing between platoons and I had, I had a blast, you know, is that a steep learning curve for you guys? If um, you haven't given, done given that the stuff guys previously, given the guys on my platoon and then the deployment that I had done prior, I'd worked with team guys on that deployment on a kind of a, a flyaway mission for a couple of months. Um, given that interaction and then the senior guys on the platoon, um, they integrated that into my workup for the EOD side. So by the time I got over to the SEAL team, I mean, I was, I was humming pretty good. Yeah. Um, I knew at least where to stand. So I don't, you know, make an ass of myself. Um, yeah. Hey, barrel, barrel of gun is yeah. that way. Um, it wasn't that bad, but you know. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So That's I mean, funny. I, I rock red tape on my helmet. You know, I, I was a new guy on that, on that seal team basically. Um, didn't matter that I was an EOD tech. They treated me just the same until it, until it came to, Hey man, it looks like there's a boot trap right there. So I'm just going to roll out and you go in, you know, and it's like, okay, okay. Yeah. All right. We'll see you go later. Do buddy. your EOD thing. <laughs> yep. And, uh, when the room gets cleared, you know, then, then we'll come Don't back muzzle in. anyone. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's fun. I had a blast. That's cool. Uh, I got opportunities in that, that, you know, you'd never get anywhere else. Uh, yeah, I, did, did God, combat. I can imagine. Went down to QS for three weeks to do combat diver. So, I mean, I was diving there, yeah. rebreather rig. Um, I went to Alaska for, two weeks three, yeah. two and a half weeks for winter warfare skills i mean they they gave you skis they they teach you how to oh, ski that's cool man you know you're you're on a glacier in the in the complete back country just yeah. loving it and i didn't have to go through buds <laughs> to do it so nice yeah let me tell let me tell you how stupid i am so i uh <laughs> leaving csa school i was looking for sea duty and i didn't want to go back and be a cs chief again because i had already done it and i did it on a special project submarine so i was like that's i pretty much did it at the highest level already like what else is there to do from here so i was like i want to do something new and exciting and be learning new things and i, I like to be out of my comfort zone so i'm like uh i've talked to the detail i'm like hey i want to be a 3m coordinator i just want to do something different go back to a submarine do that so i can learn something new and on my way to be a cob cmc like i can i can learn different skills it'll allow me to focus more on preparing to do that job because i won't have a division and stuff and uh he's like well i don't have any 3m jobs uh, 3mc jobs on submarines but i do have one at sdv team one in pearl <laughs> and i'm like and it would count as sea duty I'm like, shut up. I can't do that. <laughs> and he goes, no, you, you can do that. Do you want me to pencil you in for it? I'm like, 
I need to call you back. Like, cause I got really excited. I was like, Oh my God, that'd be the coolest job ever. But then I went and called my mentors and they're like, do you want to be a cop? Yes or no. And I was like, I mean, yes, eventually like you have to go back to see and check the, there's like prerequisites. And oh, stuff. Yeah. And like, you, you have like anything, you have to go back to see it's part of your normal progression and you're going to stunt your growth. And at the time I hadn't made senior chief yet. So like, you got to go back or you're not going to make senior chief. And I was like, oh, my God, no. And so I was like, all right, I can't do that. I guess I'll wait for a submarine and go be a cook chief. Yeah. You, Plus, you don't get to do that. George Clooney, like one for them, one for me. Yeah. Movie, you know, like <laughs> you're not you're not that good. You know, I was so sad. So I told him no. And then the fu- the punchline was I ended up making senior chief before I even left shore duty. So I was like, no, but anyway, I mean, personal life stuff. My I had to get back to this area anyway. Uh like Pacific Northwest because my fiance was out here. And so it was kind of it. It sucked, but I had to say no to it because I was I was a bummer because I have a buddy that worked with him. Uh, he's a comms guy, but he yeah, it would have been really cool to be able to see that see that side of the Navy and just experience it. And I mean, I know I'd be sitting in a building doing 3M stuff, but still it'd be pretty it'd be <laughs> pr- pretty cool to to do that. But yeah. No, it was a super rewarding experience. I mean, I, yeah. I took something away from all my platoons and right. you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, this isn't where I'm going to finish. Like it's also, those are some, those are some sucky times. I mean, yeah. Walking around doing their job on top, you know, and then you have to do your job on top of their job. Right. Um, not fun. You have to being, being a Navy OD tech, you have to be kind of a chameleon. Like you have to fit in with the assault force or the package that you're with. Um, yeah. when I was on that carrier, I got my surface warfare qual and I got my air warfare qual, you know, nice. I mean, it was just part of being on that ship. If you didn't get I out mean, of that, yeah. sp- you didn't get out of that debt space. You are probably going to end up just dying in there. You know, right. I mean, it's just, you got to get out. You got to talk to the people, do something. Yeah. Yeah. Experience where you are. And, and we always loved that, man. Like we would bring, uh, a bunch of CTs underway. Uh, and sometimes like I know I did, I do inspections on supply guys on submarines right now. Uh, and I went down and they had a surface guy TAD from a carrier that was getting his fish. And I was like, this is so cool. And so like the, <laughs> the CTs would same thing. I mean, they were pursuing their submarine qualification the entire time they were underway with us. It was kind of an expectation almost because they were out there with us for so long during the deployment. But no, that's yeah, awesome. It was, we always got excited when we saw them show interest and really get after it. And we're like, Oh yeah. And like, so then we would want to help them do it. And yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always those sucky times that builds that, camaraderie i mean no one yeah. no one ever no one ever talks about like man you know i really feel like i got to know you during that awesome time you know like right yeah you're, you're too busy having a good time to think about that but during those yeah. they're trying times i mean uh, you know you're gonna make friends you're never gonna forget right um so beyond that i mean those are all the kind of platoons i mean your sea duty I'll, I'll just talk about like what is it like like what is the average day at like on sea duty versus shore duty uh you know kind of done both now on sea duty you have a defined end state, right? You're always going toward the deployment. It's the, yeah. you're in a very, uh, threat centric environment, you know, okay, I have to do X to get to Y, which is great. I mean, it re- it'll really motivate you. It'll structure your, your life. Um, you know what to pursue, you know what to do on a day to day, uh, vice short duty, uh, undefined end state. Um, you really, no matter where you are, uh, either you're going to be training dudes to, do to, to deploy. And then that kind of becomes a groundhog day thing. And I know you were yeah. a, you were a C school or a school yep. instructor. A school. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, talking to yep. the choir here, but, um, <laughs> yep. or, or on shore duty, uh, for the short attachments, I mean, undefined end state, I'm not going to deploy, 
we're, we're in a constant state of sustainment. So right. um, it's really up to the chiefs and or, or the lieutenant, the OIC, to kind of drive the detachment toward non-boredom, right? So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you want you could you could be as busy or as bored as you want to be, right? On that short attachment, which is awesome. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, where where I am right now, I mean, there's there's so much to do with the police, uh, local law enforcement, military yeah. units that are near us as well, other EOD techs. Mm-hmm. If you're bored, you got a problem. You you're know? doing it wrong. You're yeah. doing it wrong, right? <laughs> And then um, beyond that, I totally forgot to talk about this, but what is the pipeline like? Let's just backtrack real quick. Um, I wrote down some stuff on the on the outline. Um, yeah, yeah. There are three things that I remember being the most important way to think about the pipeline. So there's a physical tax, there's a mental tax, and then there's the emotional tax. Mental and emotional are different. Um, the yeah. physical tax is pretty obvious, right? Special right. programs are tough. They're they're very mm-hmm. physically demanding, and they will not compromise if you have a bad day. Right. Uh, if you suck, they will let you go and you will not come back. Are there, um, um, if, if you guys are injured during it, is there like a medical role where you can come back through when you're healed up? Or? Yeah, I think it would determine, you know, like if you broke your, you know, you, you tore your ACL jumping yeah. off of the boardwalk at a bar. Oh, probably yeah, yeah, yeah. Be no, a little t- different. <laughs> Than talk about you, in training yeah, yeah, yeah then if you uh if you tore your acl on a scuba dive you know like right yeah so i mean they're willing to work with you it, okay. all, it all depends especially what what injury are we talking about here you know did you get a diving related injury because of incompetence well right probably going to get rid of you because you're a student yeah um and then mental tax um <laughs> i put phone book page memorization uh i had an old tech explain eod school to me like that which is they're going to sit you down. They're going to give you a couple of days to memorize a page of the phone book and then, <laughs> and then test you. <laughs> and then you have to know every number and every name. I know this is probably going to be, I'm not going to pull that, you know, older generation, newer generation, but everyone knows what a phone book is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the next day you're going to get another page, but you can't forget anything about that last page. Yeah. You still got to remember all test. that. <laughs> so then, you know, and then it's just, it's just repetitions, right? So yeah. things that you did at the very beginning of school will come up at the very end of school. So you just right. can't get rid of all that. And then emotional, spiritual, um, you see a lot of people fail out of school. Yeah. You, you may fail out of school. I know I did. And it sucks. You know, you, you see your buddies go by and <laughs> they're they're They got their, their red badges cause they're, they're in nukes division and you're still, chipping away in air, you know, and you're like, yeah. Oh, this sucks. You know, those dudes, those dudes are about to get their EOD badges and I'm like sweeping the floor. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if, if you don't get some resiliency out of that, um, or at least have a sense of humor about yourself, you, right. that school is just going to eat you alive. And that's, yeah, that's it probably just like, good advice for the rest of the Navy. You know? Yeah. It seems like every level of the training, it builds like a humility function in, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's, it's supposed to, right? So if, right. if that's what you want to take on board for it, sure. But consider it, it's like a magnifying glass for your personality. If you are a kind of a, a jerk, yeah, this is going to bring out your jerky side. Big yeah. time because yeah. you're just going to be in this hyper competitive environment. And right. I don't I don't care if you're pretending to be humble. Eventually, that will wear thin and people are going to oh, see yeah. you for who for you sure. are. Right. Um, if you're that super humble guy, well, chances are you that's it. That's how people are going to remember you because yeah. there's no limit to how humble you can be for the rest of your life. Um, so 
let's see what else um i think you get the badge levels i don't think oh, we ran yeah, through yeah, those yeah, yeah, I, was yeah. cu- I was curious about that because i didn't even know there was different levels i thought it was just like a yeah like so, an eod badge and there uh, you go <laughs> the eod pin uh it's nicknamed the crab uh it crab. is jointly uh a jointly shared badge across all four branches it's one of the right. only okay it's one of the few badges that's the same across all the branches the only thing yeah, that's different good. is each branch sets its goalposts for how it wants to award its levels okay yeah uh, i was going to ask that because i i thought it was the same because i've seen like i went to the senior enlisted academy with an air force eod guy and then i know a bunch of army eod guys i'm like i'm pretty sure it's the same thing but yeah, i'm not no, positive it's, it's the exact same nice. specification the, the leaves are all in the same spot and the yeah. lightning bolts are exactly the same size it's that's cool that's it the only thing that's different is the navy has a gold badge and that's for our EOD officers once they attain their 1140 designator yeah. as, as an actual fully qualified uh, EOD officer. Okay. The, as well as the Master Blaster of the Navy, who's our saltiest EOD tech, our oldest master tech, he wears a gold badge. Or she oh. wears a gold badge. Nice. That's just a little piece of trivia for everybody. I did not know that. Um, I'm sure they got... What, what's the oldest oldest submariner? So they have, um, I'm trying to think. They have a couple of things like that. Like I know there's a. Um, it's like the seals. It's the bullfrog, and for divers, yeah. it's the copperhead. Well, they have like bull nukes. I know that the nukes keep track of it. Uh, I don't know if there's a longest because like they have like LDOs do it. I know that. Yeah, uh, the LDOs, the Silver the, Eagle. Yep the oldest uh, the oldest commissioned submarine passes around a cribbage board from. Uh, I'm trying to think of what boat it is. It's one of the old World War II submarines. Um, but I don't know if there's just like a... There's got to be, right? Eh, maybe. Oh, well. There you go. I got For research another to day. do. Yeah. <laughs> so you come out of school, you get your basic pin on your graduation day, and you get to wear it, right? You get to keep that. And the reason why I say that is because uh, maybe, maybe you listen to this, you're like, yeah, it sounds like a cool job, Chief, but maybe I want to do the diver thing, or maybe I want to be a SEAL, or you know, this, that, the other thing. Um, for the SEALs, when they show up to their SEAL team after SEAL qualification training, that Trident comes off their chest for their first deployment. They, they don't, really? they don't, they don't really wear their, their SEAL, ch- their SEAL pin unless they're like in dress uniform, um, for pretty much their first deployment until they earn it back. And that's, it's sort of a, a force, force humbling thing. Okay. Uh, and it's, it's I've good, never heard right? that before. Um, yeah, they, they take all the Tridents and put them in the bird cage and, uh, they got to earn them back and it, it's, it's a cool thing. It's, I, I think it's cool. Um, yeah. The divers, uh, when they get their they get their uh, Mark V helmets at graduation day, as soon as they're done, they got to take them right off. And then they got when they get to their first dive locker, then they got to earn their DSWS uh, at their first locker. And then when they do, then they get to wear their Mark Vs again. Okay. Um, so for us, huh. you get your ba- you get your slick bomb, uh, your basic badge. You get to keep that sucker because you earned it, right? Yeah. Um, I was gonna say that's like dolphins. I'm like, you pry those out yeah, of my cold yeah, dead yeah, hands. Yeah, my cold like, dead hands. Good um, luck. <laughs> so you're awarded the NEC MO2A, which is a basic EOD technician, right? Uh, you're basically trained. You can you can put a cap in explosives and make it go boom. Nice. Um, then from there, uh, you do your first three years on. That gives you enough time to get a deployment under your belt, or maybe maybe a one and a half deployments, and uh, then you'll be screening for your senior EOD warfare specialist. So now. Now you're actually going to be warfare qualified because mm. it seems weird, but the basic badge is not actually a warfare. <laughs> it's just so, a qualification. So just to make sure I'm making sure I'm going to make sure I'm keeping up here. The, the basic badge is the crab that I like I would visually recognize. Yeah, it's got no stars on it. It's just a okay. slick, slick bomb 
um, okay. with lightning bolts, uh, shield, and gotcha. some, some, some Okay, uh, so there's the, there's versions of it with yep. stars. Okay, yeah, it, gotcha. It slowly, I th- I th- yeah, I thought there was a thing when, like when that. You, but When I, you look yeah, at okay. it, it just slowly adds stars and right. Leads, right? So okay. your senior badge, you'll get a star on your bomb. Um, for us in the Navy, you got to do a thick PQS book. Mm-hmm. Um, it is every tool, every procedure, everything yeah. for EOD nice. encapsulated on in print. And, and then how? you and, and then you have to perform those actions in your 300 series. Which I nice. mean, if you've done a workup and you were you were that heads up new guy, chances are you got those signatures and you're you're cruising, okay. right? Yeah, I was gonna say how in depth is it, and do you take credit for the stuff that you it's do when you're out there? Insanely in depth. Now, Good. You know. Good. It's up to your your platoon leadership if they want to sign that. Right. But when and you that- get when you get to the training unit, the instructors, generally speaking, you can just all you new guys fork up all your books to the to the division staff that you're in. Like if you're in diving or if you're in nukes division or your chem bio or yeah. surface, you know, you just hand your books over to the instructors and they'll do do like a signing day and, you know, they'll they'll stamp them all and then you'll okay. walk out of there a happy man. So that you do your first three years. There's a time time component you can't screen prior to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, you do your oral board. So oral boards, two weeks long. Um, a lot of pre boards, a lot, you know, like hundred questions from this guy, 200 so questions from this two guy weeks long. Yep. Um, How, what those, do you do for two weeks? So for two weeks, I mean, you're literally doing that book all over again, but you're doing it in small in sections, stages? right? In Holy like little, Jesus. little bits. So they break the book up into basically five sections, which are like our, our mission areas. And yeah. then you'll go to your board and your boards a couple hours long. Um, and they, 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 at the, the, the two weeks of that screening determines if you even get to step into your board. Oh, so that's not the board. It's a no, pre-screening it's for a the pre-screen. board. It's okay. pre-screening. Yeah, it's your pre-boards. Like, Good God. My, like my dolphin board was like three hours long and yeah, I thought so that was terrible. These, these are all, your, these are all your murder boards, right? <laughs> okay. Um, gotcha. And then your, then your board is one day and you know, mm-hmm. you're in and out. Um, then you get your senior pin and you're, and you get a new NEC, you get MO3 alpha and you're, you're, you're off to the races. Nice. And then four years after that. So you got to do another PQS book. It's the master master PQS book. Right. And then you get four weeks of a pre-board. Good grief. Um, in this, in this scenario, you get five missions, uh, five mission taskings that are, they boil down to war games. And then you mm-hmm. have to brief what your, what your, uh, your board members like, gave what's your you. Plan? Yeah. For, for five different, they're all, they represent all of our different mission areas. Okay. Uh, so you have an IED scenario, a, a surface scenario, a, a diving scenario, chem bio, and then a nuke. Um, so you, you are demonstrating your mastery. I mean, you, you better crank that yeah. one out of the park. Um, yep. so then after that, you get your top star on your bomb with your wreath and you are a master tech. So you get elevated to MO4 alpha. And in my community, you cannot put on your anchors until you become a master tech. Oh, wow. So okay. I was going to ask that. Like when about, you it, also, cause I see that it says four years from the award of senior, e, senior EOD, but yeah. So yeah. So total, it's a, it's a go, no go for chief. Yeah. Total force generation is seven years, um, active at the mobile units, uh, as a badge EOD technician to become a fully fledged, like master EOD tech. Is there a, like kind of like a high limit for, the timeline. So like if you, yeah, so you, a, you can go, um, six months beyond your due date and then mm-hmm. your eval is going to drop to 2.0 right. does not meet any C requirements. And then you, you know, you got You better put that, better put your letter in to take your board. 
right. uh, or else you're just going to keep eating those bad evals. Right. Um, you also, there's a, there's a cap on the amount of times you can take it, uh, three times, and then you're probably going to get force converted out of EOD. Yeah. I was going to say, so, well, that's kind of my next question. So I guess timeline wise, so you're three years after you're on board, you can do senior EOD. So that's at about your four year point in the Navy. Is that right? Uh, yeah, but it's, it's three years at your first mobile unit. So, so how like, long is the training like all, pipeline all your in Navy its time? I mean, yeah. About a year and some change, you know, maybe so, about a year so and a half, four and a half years, maybe or is right yeah. around when you should be tracking for senior EOD and then four more years. So you're at like eight and a half, nine years when yeah. you're going for master EOD. And it, so I guess so if there's a first class that is at 10 years that is not tracking to get their master EOD, they're not going to stay in EOD tech. Is that right? Um, or is are they able to stay at that kind of like they're, they're in the regular Navy, there's first classes that stay first classes for 20 years and retire. Oh, yeah. In their career and field. Right. If, so if we go back to what I was saying about your groups. I mean, you could mm-hmm. be the most you could be is an E5 to fleet convert. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's say you, you're you're SDG two and you come in, you go all the way through school, you get to your first mobile unit, you take that E6 exam. Right. And boom, you get it first try. Now you're an E6 basic tech. And guess what? You're going to be an E6 basic tech for maybe, maybe seven or, you know, E6 EOD tech for maybe seven years. Yeah. yeah. Until, until you become a master tech. Right. This is saying that you've passed everything first try mm-hmm. and your chain of command endorses your, your request to take your board on time. Uh, then you got to take the chief's exam. <laughs> you got to pass it and then you got to right. put on your anchors. Right. So none yeah. of that's, none of that's guaranteed. Right. Jeez. Yeah. So, so, I mean, tying the what, NECs to advancement is, I think it was a good move. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I was, I was looking at it, trying to figure that out is, is in my head is like, does this, cause I was also thinking about the conversions, like timeline wise, like how would they, how would they satisfy these requirements if they were an S like you said, STG two that, that came in after having been in the Navy for five or six years. I got nothing but love for our surface sonar text, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that was just a for instance. Oh yeah, just a, just an example. Yeah. Calm down. Um, All right. <laughs> so I only make that note because when I came in, it was two years for senior, three years for master. Yeah. After that, so I was I was a five year master tech. Oh wow. Um, and then that's why I picked up chief at eight years in the navy. Yeah. Okay. So you know, it just I, it just it worked for me, but here I am having had made it and now I'm like, no, yeah, that's a great idea to push the back, the yeah, yeah, post, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, it has nothing to do with that. I think, yeah, it's just for the health of our community and you know, I'm not like a company well, guy or anything. I'm yeah. not, I'm not a community manager. I'm not a detailer. I, I can look at a pie chart and see what it used to look like and go, right. damn, we had a problem. Um, right. <laughs> and we just talked about that on the, so it, and, and I know you haven't had a chance to listen to it cause it's only been live for like four hours. And yeah. We've been talking I, I downloaded for three this of right when we were talking about it. Yeah. So I haven't even gotten a chance. So we talked about, uh, hard stops for basically like prerequisites to even be eligible for chief, which is exactly what you're talking about with the master OD quality. Like you're not even going to be board eligible. You're not going to get your foot in the door without having this qual. And that's kind of what we're talking about. Like no, go no go criteria so that we're not ending up with unqualified personnel as chiefs that's especially super early on 
Uh, Cause like, like you were an eight year chief. I was a nine and a half year chief. Like I was barely ready. And there's a lot of experience that goes into it too, that you just like, you don't have the time to get that experience. If you're making chief at six, seven years. Yeah. Um, but so I, we, we, you know, I, when ahead. I made chief, I made chief with guys that were like ITs and, and CTs out right. in Bahrain that were like seven years, you know I mean? Yeah, make, it, make, it happens. And, and it's, it's not a dig know, on I mean, them. I mean, they, yeah. they did everything the Navy told them to do. And right. the Navy selected them to become chiefs. Right. And you I guess that's and like all the amount of flaming on those dudes, like, oh, look at you, you're young. And it's like, yeah, yeah. What do you want I'm me to do? I'm not mad at them <laughs> because they existed within the construct, like the, yeah, the boundaries I, the Navy drew for them. Yeah, I, I but, played the game. Yeah, and I won. And right. you're upset because it took you and a lot of those 16 of those years. Guys, yeah. <laughs> a lot of those guys are pipe hitters, man. They're like they're they're great guys that hopefully approach it with humility and are, are going to learn the things that, cause there's, you're going to go in at that early on without like all of the same experience and, and perspective that some of those 16 year guys would have, but you go in there with the humility and you're ready to receive, you're going to be fine. You're going to learn. Um, there's going to be hiccups like there will be for everybody, but, oh, absolutely. Uh, we, but we were talking, yeah, we talked a lot about the, the hard stops and like even just time requirements too. Um, but yeah, I like the idea of there being prerequisites so that you don't find young guys based on a quota driven system only finding their way into the chief's mess where they're, you know, they yeah. d- like not don't even have an operational LPO tour or like a, a, a senior EOD tech didn't get his master qual, but he just like did some of the other right things and got good evals because people liked him kind of thing. Like you, you got those, those metrics built in so that there's no, there's no way around it. Like you have to get, you have to be a master tech before you can even be looked at, which uh, the nukes do that too. Uh, at least on submarines, they do. You have to have like the most senior uh, enlisted like quals for operation of the and supervision of the reactor before you're going to get even bored. Like you can't even take the test <laughs> before you have this quals. Like you're not going to be board eligible. Yeah. For, for me, the way that I look at it, I mean, to back up to what you were saying, we also have a, another goalpost that you have to be an LPO for 12 months. You know, you have, yeah. you have to make milestone yep. complete as a, as an LPO, uh, either, either at sea or shore. Uh, I don't think it's specified okay. in, in the career path roadmap, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that was not, that was not a requirement when I, when I made chief and yeah. they're just, what they're doing is they're allowing the community to kind of try to get healthy off the strength of like, go-getters right yeah so if you want to be that guy that makes rank as fast as possible well we're going to hold that leash until we can release you you know until we can let right. you go running to get your anchors uh we're going to have this metered approach where we can have these gates you have to pass through and you you know these little check valves along your career that are yeah. gauging your competency within our rating because quite honestly we don't want people supervising people that aren't you know, they haven't demonstrated a certain amount of mastery, quote unquote, uh, of this job. Right. Because that's what we used to. I'm not going to say used to have per se, but when we had fleet returnee like source ratings and whatnot, you know, you'd have a mm-hmm. GMC who's a basic tech, but he's the LCPO of that detachment. Yeah. And then you got a freaking, you know, MA2, but he's a master tech. You know, yeah. he's been doing it for you know, 18 years, but he just can't promote for nothing. He really doesn't care about promoting, but he just loves being an EOD tech. 
And yeah. it's like, well, who are we going to go to for procedures? Well, <laughs> chief over there is a basic tech. He just got out of school. You know, they're trying to fix, like, you know, real, yeah. realign priorities and and make it so that the chief is re-recognized as the institutional expert right. uh, and the professional expert on the on the platoon or at the mobile unit, which is good. You want to you yeah. want to realign that that vision. And they, the, I think the community managers and and the the detailers they did a great job uh, trying yeah, to, you, trying to realign that focus. Do you think uh, with you coming up in the in in the previous in like previous environment without those those goalposts? Do you think that it helped you or hurt you to be able to advance that quickly? Um, I mean, if I didn't have the platoons and the, the chiefs that I had, I had, I've lucked out. I had four amazing right. chiefs. Um, yeah. I had, a, I had a ride with the same chief twice, which was mm-hmm. freaking awesome. Really got to, he got to see me literally grow up in front of his eyes. Like I'm one of his That's sons. Cool. <laughs> uh, I still, still talk to him now. He's a master chief now, which is hilarious. I might end up working for this guy <laughs> here in a couple of years, but, uh, Nice. It's what if, if I could do it over again when I go slower, I don't know. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say it hurt me. I mean, yeah, I, I'm where I am today and I made those calls when I made them when I was ready. Mm-hmm. You know, if I wasn't ready, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have qualified. Right. So which, yeah, there, there's something to be said about that. I mean, five, you know, six other EOD techs slapped the table twice and said, yes, yeah, he, he's got it. So which is nice. Yeah. It's nice that, you guys have those those screening processes as you go because I was kind of like that too where had I not been in the environment that I was in with the people that I was there with I don't know if I would have grown the way that I did like I I made chief and I was the only well not the only one of the only baby chiefs in a special project submarine chiefs mess where like everybody's got to raise their hand like three times to get there so it's like you had a whole bunch of second tour chiefs a bunch of senior chiefs and a handful of master chiefs. So it was like, I couldn't get away with anything. Like anytime <laughs> I started coloring outside the lines, I got punched in the face and they'd grab me by my ear, drag me in the corners and be like, look here, Sonny. Yeah. Explain right. to me what I was doing wrong and why it was wrong and how to do it correctly. So I, I didn't, it was like a, it was like an, a chief Academy. I mean, it was, I, it was the perfect place to grow up and, and figure out how to be a good chief. Well, I think um, it's a, that's a perfect pivot to talk about, uh, culture. So, uh, EOD culture, <laughs> I think, I think we're kind of done talking about the EOD program. I kind of beat, yeah, beat yeah. a dead horse, but <laughs> I'll, I'll push up, I'll, I'll pivot over to culture, right? Cause we, sure. we wanted to talk about chief stuff too, and just community Definitely. stuff. Um, culture, um, just the definition of it, like from my own words, just a common set of behaviors that are exhibited by a group of people that is determined to be the normal state for that group, like what, what you can be expected to see on any given day. Right. When you, when you walk into that compartment or, or that space, that's, that's what you're seeing, right? You, that's, yeah. that's the pulse check, you know, all right, it's about, you know, 80 beats per minute. Cause this guy's got <laughs> terrible blood pressure. And you know, this is what I, this is what I've come to expect. Uh, for my community, I would, I would say that they're people that are just hardworking, intelligent, ready, willing, and able to get the mission done no matter what. And that's when conventional means fail. That's when all of our contingencies fail. That they're still willing to do everything they can, and because of that, it breeds this this fascination with asking why all the time. Yeah. Uh, and when I say people think outside the box, they're not thinking outside, but just gently propped against the box. <laughs> you know, like, well, maybe 
we could walk next to the grass instead of on the grass. Like, really, yeah. man? That's really that's that's your out of the box decision. Okay, <laughs> got it. Um, I want the guy that's going to come up with hover boots that you know can push yeah, us yeah, over yeah. the you know. So <laughs> it it would really piss a lot of people off uh, as as a junior sailor uh, at other places that I've seen in the Navy. If yeah. if you had met EOD three or EOD two myself on my first deployment when I'm on that carrier. You know, I go into a couple of spaces and I'm just, yeah, hey, why, why, why are we doing that? You know, yeah. and it's like, you get that, you know, this is the way we <laughs> yep, always done shut it. Shut up and color. Yeah. Oh God. And, I, uh, dude, yeah, you're going to get me spun up. <laughs> to, to me, it was like a super culture shock, you know, like, yeah. Yep. Woof. That's what, cause your guys are used to operate in the in type of, in the in type of environment that everyone should be operating in. Yeah. It's, it's sort of on those platoons, you know, you only got eight guys. So one of them's your chief, one of them's your Lieutenant. And then the rest are technicians you know they're they're, right. they're they're doing it so there's gonna be a little bit of breakdown there too you're gonna have your team leaders and your team members but in that everyone has got to be able to pull or push an idea to, to to benefit the mission so if you can't get to yes on any one thing asking eight different guys for eight different opinions i mean holy smokes that's an underperforming organization yeah um and that comes with entrusting those younger people to speak up. Yeah. Um, if you don't get it out of them now, like at the start, you've just, you've closed that gate. Right. Probably submarines, for a really long time. Submarines are very similar, except we, and I guess you guys would probably be like this too, but we operate in this like procedural compliance is everything because if you don't, people are going to get hurt or killed. So it's like, it's, it's, it, it all depends, right? There's, there's yeah. always time to improvise. There's always that time for that jazz, but at some things, like if you're doing maintenance on a life support equipment, right? Uh, there's you know, zero like a, room like a, for, <laughs> for, for a closed circuit rebreather, you're taking a $60,000 diving rig underwater with a computer that's ran off a 12 volt battery. Um, that's hiding behind, you know, like a 50 cent O ring. You screw <laughs> that up. Yeah, that person has a high possibility of dying. Um, right. So yes, at, at certain points, procedural compliance and not thinking you're hotter than you think you are. Right. Is very important. Yeah. However, there's also times in... to be a virtuoso and just right. cut that new sheet of music and do your own thing. And guess what? Go right or wrong. You know, you pick that environment and you allow people to experiment. You'd be amazed at what you come up with. Right. And there's for us, it's like just the management of people and a couple of other. There's not many things where you're going to be allowed to do that. It, the only the only avenue you'd have for that type of expression would be for um, after the fact, questioning the how well the procedure works and then providing feedback on how we can make it better through formal means that would take forever to actually update said procedure. But like when you're in it, it's all about the book better be open. You better be circle X and everything. You better. You know, what I mean, like. It's it's very rigid procedural compliance because all the procedures are written in blood, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, absolutely. And yeah, it's, you know, our, it's, our publication systems are just like that. Um, yeah. You, you have a procedure for rendering an explosive ordinance item safe. Right. You really can't deviate from uh, that. I mean, the, right. the tolerance, I don't want to. <laughs> the tolerance at school is an eighth of an inch, um, mm-hmm. you know, up or down. So you're dealing with a quarter inch total scope of of inaccuracy. That's a that's a tight tolerance. Uh, right. Utilizing a crappy protractor <laughs> uh, in the in the terrible Florida weather, um, and you just you know that 
okay, if this is the bar they've set, this is the standard. I have to live up to that pretty much all times. Um, but the flip side to that coin is that our procedures are always in flux that they require constant scrutiny and that if they aren't being revalidated at all times, um, are they really working? Cause right. what worked in 1945 probably isn't going to work in 2045. <laughs> right. Um, and I, and feel, I imagine too, as technology evolves, the procedures have to evolve. Absolutely. I mean, your, your submarine community, the surface community, the aviation community, they don't do the same things they did, you know, on turboprops versus straight jet propulsion. Um, they don't do the same thing for a nuclear powered aircraft carrier as they would do for, you know, a DDG or the DDX or the LCS, you know, it's right. You can't, right. Even though, you know, 3M is supposed to be this massive, uh, <laughs> everyone can do it no matter what. If you're a 301, you could pick up an MRC and get to get to Kraken. Not really, right? Yeah. Um, with that, it, you know, it kind of breeds that collaboration that uh, I've had the newest guy on the team have the best, the best idea. Yeah. And I, I would yep. say it's because, you know, he, he doesn't have any bad habits because he just doesn't have any habits at all. You know, he just, right. he just showed up. Or any up. biases. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, well, why yep. don't we do it like this? You know, and it's like, yeah. well damn it. Why don't we do it like that? Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. Those are the best ones. Man. Crap. Like, I don't, oh man, why, the, the, the caps on the projector, yeah. you know, and, and you got, you got, you know, six other guys that have done yeah. 10 years in the job and they're like, God dang, this, this projector sucks. And you know, the new guy yeah. walks up and pulls a cap off. Yeah. Fixed that, it. That's, that's a real story <laughs> off my first platoon. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Like um, I, hilarious, yeah. but it's true. I've had a lot of those happen where, and it, God, the, I talk about it a lot as just like the humbling yourself to be able to even ask those questions, because even if it's something tiny, it's not tiny to them if they're in there having to do this job and having to like trudge through doing it a way that doesn't make sense and causes them pain on a daily basis. And then they are allowed the avenue of feeding you a better way of doing it. And you're like, all right, fine, do it that way. And you're, and they're like, what? Like, okay. And then like, there's 27 other little things that that piss them off every day in the conduct of their day-to-day duties that you're just like, if you create that dialogue where the freedom to, to say those things and to provide that feedback exists. Well, yeah. Cause the little things are what day-to-day a junior guy is cares about. I mean, it's a, it's that little pebble in their shoe. Yeah. Give it long enough, man. It's going to take their whole foot off. Right. Uh, and you were talking about that on one of your other podcasts, um, you know, cause I'm a closet fan of the show, um, about, yeah. you know, the, they, they come to you and they want to, they want to come up with a new cleaning, cleaning station schedule right. and stuff like that. And it's like, well, that's a win-win for me. Cause either you fail and then I, I get to teach you something new or, or you succeed. And then, Hey, we just came up with an awesome new cleaning schedule. So like and creating you, the conditions yeah. for them to collaborate and succeed or fail in a controlled environment when safety is not a concern. Right. It's important. It's, it's freaking paramount yeah. uh, for leadership and, and going forward with our Navy. So many people rob junior sailors of those experiences. Right. Well, anyway, so I got to go soon. <laughs> okay. Do you want to get into, I mean, really like I I'm super interested in the, how the chief functions within you guys' community. Cause we could always do this again and talk about the topics I've been hitting a ton with like the, the issues with chiefs and everything, but in, just in general, I'm curious Cause it was asked during that podcast that you haven't listened to yet. Uh, how, like do the issues that we keep talking about exist in every community and, and like how, how do, how is the chiefs function different in the EOD community than it is in the, in like aviation and submarines and surface yeah, and et cetera. So I'm sure. curious how, how the role for you guys works. So I will tell you this, no community, no matter what is immune from drugs, 
alcohol, sexual assault, sexual abuse, right. none. Abs- don't yeah. let anyone tell you, oh, no, it's better over here in the CBs or it's better over here in FMF or better over here in the SEALs, better over here in dive. No, Mm-mm. there's, there's right. always, you know, it's just because Navy Times isn't throwing it on the cover uh, in full print uh, and color doesn't mean it doesn't happen, right? right? I've known plenty of guys that got DUIs that are out, you know, they're gone. Yeah. Um, drugs, gone. Uh, sexual assault, gone. So beyond that, as far as how the chief functions in the small units, uh, eight man world. So you're with these guys for 18 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really get to know them on like a DNA level. Yeah. Um, and I say that because you only got each other as soon as, as soon as you got, you're, you're one of the smallest units of action in the Navy, right? Eight man right. platoon. And then you chop down to half and half you go here, half you go there. Um, you could be down to two man teams, right? Like on my last platoon, I was, Ford deployed with a, a special forces element. It was just me and a new guy. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was awesome. That was, it was the, yeah. one of the, my best times in EOD and I'm a chief at that time. So right. I, I'm a one-on-one mentor. And then I had a bunch of Marines uh, and they didn't have a, an E seven level Marine out there. So now they became my children. Um, right. It's, it's so, it's so unique you get to know their kids, you get to, you know, you're out there. So-and-so is at free fall school. Well, you know, his wife needs help mowing the grass. We're like, all right, well, I guess we're, I guess we're, you know, unstopping the drain and mowing the grass and right. helping each other out. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're booing each other up. It's, it's too, it's too easy to screw up. But do you find, do you ever find the straddling the line? Like, straddling the line between like that oh, super absolutely. close. Re- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, um, you, if you want to be a habitual line stepper, well, that the chief's got an attitude for that and he'll solve it or she'll solve it real fast. Um, right. You got to know the company that's around, right? So you got the skipper there, you got XO there, you got CMC there. Maybe not the time to be calling your chief by his first name. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, read the room guy. Um, yeah. But you're down in the platoon space or maybe on the dive side, depending on who's around. Come on now, you know we're all yeah. we're all we're all here to do we're the all same doing job. The same job, yeah. And why am I going to stunt communication by throwing in a in a barrier such as rank or position or title, right? Um, and being able to remove that from yourself and humble yourself down. A lot of people don't do that. They they want to stand up and sit in that cheese mess and drink coffee, yeah. and not be visible, not be on the deck plates where on that platoon, you really don't have a choice. You have to be yeah. in your platoon. And if I was you're not, ask, they will kick you off that platoon and you'll, we'll get a new chief. Right. I was going to ask, do you guys even have those issues because of the necessity of you being in? So, so you're going to be in such a close working proximity with those guys, no matter what, just based on the nature of your mission, I can't imagine you have the issue unless you're at a shore command where you have the chief that's hiding out in the chief's mess. Not we, doing, we totally know. have those issues. You know, I, you? I, I've, I've known <laughs> chiefs that gotten LOIs from their, Lieutenant junior grade, you know, uh, platoon oh, commanders. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, holy smoke, dude, you just got a letter of instruction, you know, from this O2 because you, right. you're not doing your job. Right. You know, that person I, was removed from the community, but, um, wow. it's just a small example that no, no community is immune from bad leadership. Yeah. All right. Yeah. None. No, don't let anyone fool you thinking they're a high performing organization. There's always going to be, a couple of people that slip through selection, right. no matter how tight it is. 
Yeah, there's, there's and gonna that's kind There's going to be bad people. And you have to ask yourself, is it a bad apple or was it a bad, you know, apple cart? You know, is it, yeah. is it the physical cart itself, like the wood? What is it made of? Is that what's the spoiling structure all that the apples, allowed it to be there? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think we have that that necessarily a problem. I think it's just bad apples themselves. Occasionally, they, they yeah. just they just get in there because we're processing so many apples, you know, and it's right or they, or they turn sour over a career. I can't tell you why. And I've known people that also, you know, do TBI or, or injuries. Uh, maybe they just need to get on medication. And once they did, they were a completely different person. Yeah. Um, so much nicer. You can actually have a conversation with this person. will fly off the handle at you. So right. could be that too. Yeah. I had a buddy that army EOD guy that I used to work out with that had those, that type of an issue that would, he talked pretty candidly about it. It was interesting to hear those stories. Oh, do you want to? Do you, you got time to go through the the senior enlisted structure just to, for the for perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, a multi unit is roughly one hundred people, one hundred sailors, right? Okay. So, command is echelon five command. So, you got a, a, a commander in O five as a CO, and you got a lieutenant commander as the XO, and then everyone else after that is it's all lieutenants and and down. Uh, you usually will have the the triumvirate of master chiefs. So. You'll have a CMC, and then you'll have an Ops Master Chief, and then the Readiness and Training Master Chief. So N3 and N7 will have a have a nine sitting in the seat. Uh, generally speaking, it's not, you know, we're not always so healthy on Master Chiefs that we can just right. you know spend them. <laughs> but if we do have them, generally that's where they go. Um, and then usually it's the Ops Master Chief that will fleet up and slide into the CMC spot. Um, okay. But it doesn't necessarily have to happen that way. And then down lower to the eight level for Senior Chiefs. Um, Generally, there'll be a troop chief, which is kind of a new position that we created uh, to kind of give guys a, an extra ride for wickets toward making nine. Okay. But, you know, they're, they're the fixer. They're the guy that's going to stay back, not necessarily deploy with that that rest borg, but they're they're working on all the tip fid and they're working with the, the organizations that the platoon has to kind of liaise with and just be that go between person, not be a roadblock. Be person right. that removes roadblocks, right? But it's a it's a it's a quality gig, and then MCM team. Well, your MCM platoon, yeah, that's like eight eight EOD techs. But then you also have all your sensor people and your UUVs, uh, your unmanned underwater vehicles, and right. you have them. So they're going to deploy with you too. So now that becomes a company model where you have two platoons and then you have a company leadership. Um, so you'll have a senior chief and then you'll have a senior senior lieutenant who's kind of getting ready to probably slip into O four or pick up a department head ride yeah. um just prior to. And then your last last little bit is chief level. So your your platoon platoon LCPO or you're just on the platoon. That's how I was on my last team when I picked up chief. I just was a platoon chief. I wasn't in charge really. I just yeah. was kind of hanging out with anchors, which was perfect. I mean, it was so yeah. much fun. You get to be that backseat guy. You're once again kind of a kind of the fixer. You know, your LCPO can kind of fire you out of a gun and let you go chase something down and then, right. then reel you back in while they get to handle more stuff like an RCRP and Durzen and all those, all those big programs with the, with the Lieutenant and kind of work with that developing that junior officer. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm super curious about how the, the functionality happened because it was specifically because of when we're having that conversation of like how each community had like, what issues do they have and, and what issues do they not have? Um, I'm curious too. like what, so if like we pull a lot of our, um, 
I guess, topic material from complaints, right? Like, or experiences we went through coming up. Yeah, absolutely. That turn into them, right? And I mean, I go to like the meme pages and stuff and kind of just to take the pulse. And like, I'm on Reddit a lot, which is just unfiltered destruction of all of my ideas, yeah, which is good. You, you have to like, you have to like call the cops to like report a murder just about yeah. <laughs> every time you go onto Reddit. Every time I post anything, it's like, I mean, it's actually a pretty, I, I enjoy it a lot because when I do stuff every through every other Avenue, I've only gotten like positive feedback through email, through like Instagram and Facebook and everything else. I, I don't get a lot of people like telling, pointing at all my warts and telling me, Hey, this is stupid or Hey, this is why this doesn't make sense or whatever, which so that's why I enjoy Reddit. But, um, everywhere I go, it's like, I get this, I get the stuff filtered to me through complaints generally, even when I get somebody bringing like coming on and talking to me it's it's usually through negative experiences or positive experiences and they're evaluating what they've heard which are negative experiences right so i'm curious like what are the like if i went to the eod threes meme page what's it gonna say like what what are the issues that they look up at you guys and say man these guys are so stupid because it's gonna be the same same stuff you're gonna see like on uh Stuff my LPO says. Obviously, that's yeah. not how it starts, but you know, right? It's be just like that. It's gonna be just exact same stuff you're seeing. It's just yeah. gonna be of an EOD flavor. Like God, okay. I can't believe Chiefs busting my bust my hump about this free fall jump. You know, and you're okay. like, you know, just translate your problems and just use EOD terms. No community is is going to be safe right. from these bad people. Like it's just you're going to have substandard leadership no matter where you are. It's right. just how much do you do you want to dwell on that and let it destroy your life? Yeah. Do you um, guys sit there thinking that, that, Hey, we might have a problem because I can tell you in a lot of organizations, like on the submarine side of it, like I don't think we're in the same place that like maybe the surface fleet is, or maybe some other, some other places are, but it's hard for me to gauge it. Cause I'm not there. So it's kind of, I'm curious, like how many other people, cause I've talked to a lot of people like high level people that think that there's a pretty giant problem but they're in different communities and, and different units and whatever. So like, do you guys think it's, you know, once in a while you catch a bad apple because that's life. Cause I, everybody's going to get that. Or do you perceive there to potentially be a problem specifically in the chief realm is kind of what I'm, what I'm focused on. I don't think that there's this like necrotizing fasciitis in the chief's yeah. mess, uh, as much as so many other people do. I don't know if that's because I'm part of the problem or because I'm in my own community and I only really mm-hmm. interact with a lot of EOD chiefs and yeah. diver chiefs and people in special programs. You know, I wish I, no one has, right. a, I'm going to say this. No one has an answer for you. Not even right. when you had fleet well, Kings very on, like that yeah. guy was at the tip top of, of the game, one step below the Mick pond. And even he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, wish I, I mean, could tell him- you he got to jet set around the Navy and interact with those people, albeit the packaged for the fleet master chief's eyes version. But yeah. Um, oh, no, yeah. He, I, yeah. Yeah. When, yeah, you'll never hear the truth again. Right. Every yep. meal, every meal is the best <laughs> meal you ever had. It's like when yep. you, when they say, when you pick, when you put on your Admiral stars, right. You know, yeah. you're never going to, never going to get a straight story and all the maintenance is complete Admiral. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, man, uh, I, I, I could give you the, I could give you the party yeah. line of like, you know, this is a generational mix up and, you know, it's all generation Z is different than generation Y yeah. and it's, yeah, that's, that's great. And it looks great on a PowerPoint slide, but until people just take the time and, you know, it's like these old, these old timey lessons that should be mm-hmm. in your charge book of listen to your people, develop yeah. your people, 
spend time with your people, be on the deck plate, be visible. Those, those don't go away. Right. Just because you have email and cell phones and you still got to eventually look people in the eyes and you got to actually interact with them and not dominate them. So many people want to just, just crush people. (laughs) I don't understand it. That's like what I see a lot online. Man, this guy's holding up my, my leaf chick because he's just such a freaking jerk. And it's like, I don't, I, I wish I could tell you why. I don't know why yeah. that person's holding up your stuff. I don't know why they're being vindictive or, you know, why, why were there 16 chiefs in my DRB? I couldn't tell you. Yeah. You know, I don't I, know what's going through their head. And that's what I, I, I always, I, I have all these conversations and do the research in the way that the only way that I can, because like you said, we don't have the answer because we, we talked about it in the, in the, uh, the one I just released today about, uh, basically data gathering, like, like to, for us to, for us to find a way to like refocus, like say we did what me and fleet Kingsbury talked about, uh, and me and this young Ellis one talked about where, we were trying to refocus the goals of the chief's mess, like basically redefine the mission, vision, and guiding principles for what we need now. If to do that, you'd need to say, okay, we're going to redefine them to do what, like, what do we need? And how do we know what we need? We would need a bunch of data. We would need metrics. Like, is it, is there a problem? Is the problem everywhere or is it only in certain spots? Um, how, I mean, the, like the, the analytics is only going to get you so far, you know, right. And humans are non, we don't have an NSN. Right. You know, we, I we, agree. We're not, we're not in the supply system. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I can yell at one dude and that, that's going to be exactly what that person needs. And then mm-hmm. I need to talk to another guy and actually pull up a chair and spend my 10 minutes explaining my courses of action and why, why one co is better than the other. And that's exactly what that person needs. And that stuff is just never going to go away. Right. And, and as I have all these conversations, that's why what I just it's my my brain's on a loop all the time where I'm just like, it just keeps coming back to leadership development and education. Like the only way you equip people in leadership positions with the tools to do all the things you're saying is by investing in leadership development and education. Yeah. And we we're, talked the, we're about, the only branch that doesn't have yep. a brick and mortar leadership development continuum yeah. that we well, have to go to. We're the They're only working one on that. <laughs> Marine, Marine Corps has got courses for yep. Corporal Corps, Sergeant Air Force. Force. Air yep. Force has got Airman Leadership School, Senior NCO. Yep. Ca- like yep. Army's got uh, B, B, uh, BDOC or, you know, mm-hmm. we're the only ones. Only one. Yep. <laughs> and and, you, and could, you could blame it on ships. You could blame it on, yeah, you blame it on the rain. Um, they cut funding to, yeah, it, nav lead, all that. And but then you not wonder that, why we have these problems, you know, like, yeah, I, right. don't, I don't get it. So Exactly. And and they're they are working on it. I, have you looked at? Um, no, I've, all I've, the, lo- I've looked at the the NELD and like ELD. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it's coming. It, but that's it still, is. It's and, still and not. It's, yep. It's. I don't think it goes yet. far enough, right? So it's. it's I still, don't either. Still not a brick and mortar establishment. You're still not enforcing yeah. and it, a. If we're talking about analytics, um, you're not enforcing a standard metric, uh, data driven skill set, right? You're not. You're not putting people through these uh, tests and actually having them stand up and speak uh, right. to people and enforcing these deck plate leadership ideas at a younger at the at the E5 level where it needs to start because you don't make a chief in six weeks, right? You made them in six right. years or, or you know sixteen years. That's when you made the chief. That's when you put on your chief anchors, right? You, right. Initiation and all that secret stuff, and we could go. Oh man, I got. So many, so many, uh, I, I agree with a lot of what you're talking about and yeah, we need to take, we need to take the, the mask off of all that stuff, but, yeah. um, the capstone event. Yeah, I agree. But you know, uh, <laughs> the, 
when you made a chief was not not during that six weeks. Right. And they, and they are they're st- So they're starting at the, the junior levels with these ELD classes yeah, and where they have like and that's, that's beginner, driving, intermediate, advanced. That's what's driving my comments. Like I, I agree with a lot of what yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Mick Pond Smith's putting out and right. You know, what does he care about what I'm talking about? But, um, <laughs> you know, cares. Hey, I agree. It's a pretty, pretty humble um, dude. I agree though, that it should be more. It should actually yeah, be, yeah. there's a reason I, and, why our other branch. I mean, I bet you space force is going to have, a, a, brick yeah. and, a brick and mortar or, <laughs> or, NCO Academy, yeah. or, or in orbit leadership school, you know, yeah. and we're still going to be, we're still given, gonna given be a, given a PowerPoint and going, yeah, you guys made rank. So, you know, we're yeah. just going to kind of knock this out. And I know they said, don't do this so you can get frocked, but that's exactly what we're going to do anyway, because there's really yeah. no teeth to this program. That's going to, I hope it's going not, to force man. us to do this the right yeah, way. I th- I think that is it still the, command delivered? It's a good. It's not. So it's the way they're doing it is they're they have a bunch of and they're still fumbling through the implementation, but they have uh, basically facilitator trainers that are generally master chiefs uh, that get certified by Enlic to train facilitators for the levels of the courses that yeah, they detailed I, and I, they have admin. I, I know the rollouts like train the trainers right, and then. And the then, trainer has to, it's still going to be this kind of ad hoc. Kind of. You know. So like they have, they're <laughs> basically coming from shore duty is, is kind of what they're trying to do. So they're taking it off the operational units plate so that commands aren't delivering their own training. They would have like in, in our, like, so in my area, there's a group of facilitators, yeah. there's a venue and it's right. a schoolhouse. So and you, you, you're going, you're going one step up from command delivered to mobile training team. I agree. So I agree. Now, now you have people that yeah. are less invested uh, and know nothing about the people, which is kind of, kind of good. You know, you're getting kind of a blind look and that's what you would get at a brick and mortar school. But Right. At the same time, you're not putting those guys on TAD and you're not, yeah, you're, you're not, not, you're yeah, not, you're not, not taking them away them. from their ship or their, yeah, I think this is probably what Mick Pond Smith could get approved. And it's like, I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my beachhead and then I'm going to yeah. start pushing. No, I, and, and this is not, this yeah. is not me saying, Hey, this had to be a perfect product right out the gate. Right. And I, I'm right. all about the, you know, a, a good plan executed well right now is better than yeah. a perfect plan executed later, you know? Right. Um, now, nah, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, I definitely view it as a step in the right direction, but I, I'm not, not even close to being happy yet. Just, just because like you said, you stack our model up against everyone else wouldn't. And it's what they've been doing forever. And it's like, how are we still here where we've got to like yeah. settle for crumbs? The, o- the like, only, the only thing, defense for the Navy is we have ships and we have subs and we have squadrons. Right. So we, de- but we man train equip completely differently. I, and I, I could see that but, argument, but, but, but I somehow, can also, somehow the Marines who ride our ships, right. Fly our aircraft, figure it out. <laughs> uh, they don't go on our subs, but yeah. they could, uh, you just somehow, have to make it they manage. a priority. Yeah. You just have to make it a priority because it's, it's not a priority right now. And they keep putting out these cute, like, naval leadership continuum documents that talk about what a big deal it is and have the CNO sign it. And yeah, it's I, not I just, treated like I a big just deal. saw that nav admin. Yep. If they keep doing which, that, which just talked about the rollout plan. It didn't actually add any new information. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I don't think they're ready to, they haven't even permanently established the inlet attachments yet. So yeah, 
we'll see. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm trying to get in a facilitator course so I can actually get in there and do it and see what it's all about. Get a look at all the yeah, no, course I'm, documentation. I'm, I'm, stuff. I'm, I'm interested in becoming a trainer myself, but you know, yeah. it's just, it's just going to take time and, and getting free to go TAD and get that stuff knocked out. Right. But, uh, that's all I save got. Rounds. Man. Yeah. Save rounds or alibis. Nothing. Nah, just like we said at the top, I'll just re rewind. Don't self select. If yeah. this is what you want to do. I know I didn't talk about the diver program or, or anything else in, in my community. I did forget to say that we are not special warfare. Oh yeah. Uh, the you did mention that you're special operations that you're attached to expeditionary naval, yeah, naval we're, expeditionary we're under, combat. Under command, NECC, so. We're not part of NASA. Yep. NAVSPEC WARCOM. We're not under SOCOM. We're not under JSOC. Yeah. None of that. It's just, you're here, you're, you're with the regular green Navy. And you know what, if you, if that is, if that's a sticking point for you, maybe you just need to recalibrate your compass. Uh, yeah. if it's not special enough for you, I don't know what to tell <laughs> you. I think, I think the job is pretty special and I've gotten to do uh, some amazing yeah. things. Right. Uh, and I would yeah. not, I would not do anything else in the Navy if given the chance. Yeah. So that's all well, I got, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. This was a cool one. I've been, I've been talking about like, and it, I got overwhelmed after the fleet Kingsbury episode with the number of people that were like, Oh, he's really serious about doing all these interviews. Cause we did like two or three in a row. And then when the fleet came out, it was like, I got a ton of, ton of people reaching out to me, which is awesome. I love it. But, uh, I also am taking college classes, have a job and a personal life. So it's rough, but uh, I, I'm complaining about what I've asked for. So that's what I get. Yeah, um, you are reaping what but, you sow. <laughs> but yeah, man, I I, uh, I was hoping for some, some stuff like this outside of just uh, the normal leadership stuff, like getting familiarized with programs that I'm not familiar with and getting that information out there for everybody else is, uh, is pretty cool, especially for a program like yours. Yeah. Um, well, I got some other ideas and stuff we could talk about later. Definitely. And, uh, definitely. Yeah. Maybe come yeah, back man. on for another, another reattack. hundred percent. Definitely down for, for doing it again and maybe doing a topic on leadership or something else, man. Yeah. Who? Yeah. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, just a side note, if it sounds a little different on the intro and outro, it's because I'm using my travel setup. Uh, I am on travel as I've talked to you, uh, some of you about. Really enjoyed the interview. I definitely will be talking to that guy again. I think that the more of these we can get done, the more productive the platform can be. I really enjoy having these types of conversations, getting everybody's perspective, not just about leadership stuff, but like I said, uh, in, in this instance, is if somebody out there is some kind of a subject matter expert or wants to provide detail about their community so that everybody else has the awareness, uh, whatever, whatever you guys want to talk about, however you want to talk about it uh, for however long, I'm always down. Uh, and if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message me. Don't give up the ship podcast, or you can DM me on Instagram at DGUS podcast. Uh, you can also DM us on Reddit. We're on Reddit. We got our sub, uh, and then we are always in the R Navy thread as well. Uh, so you can check us out there. And then, uh, if you guys want to support us at all, that'd be pretty great. You can check out dguspodcast.com slash shop. You can pick up shirts, stickers, all kinds of stuff like that. You get something. It helps us keep the lights on. Uh, it's not a for-profit thing. It's just helping pay all the bills that are associated with the platform. And then looking forward to not just, uh, continuing to do these interviews, but also looking at expounding on, 
the platform a little bit with some different style episodes. Uh, now that we're doing so many interviews, there's no more history segments. So I'm looking at doing some history episodes, uh, but those involve research. So you probably won't see one of those for a little while um, just because I'm currently doing college classes that I'm a little overwhelmed by. But uh, you'll see a little a little different flavor coming up, I think, uh, as I have the time to do that. Uh, and then again, if you guys ever need anything or you're interested in participating, don't be afraid to reach out. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And don't give up the ship. 